0: Oh, shit, are we starting?
1: What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 18 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I'm your host, Alex Arona, and with me is Joel Duckwit, pro-scape-birder.
2: Look, not everybody can have a cool last name like Hawk, okay?
1: Also with me this week is Pokemon Pitchfork purveyor,
2: Eric Gettinger. Hey, Getty.
0: Give me all the Digimon and Pokemon Sword and Shield, or we
1: riot.
2: That... that didn't sound right. All the Personas in Pokemon, or we burn this mother down.
1: Okay, now I'm back on board. This week we get funky and speculate on some mini-news, bask in the moonlight with some Borderlands 1, and go into some video game history. But first, Let's kick flip into our Early Adopter segment. Early Adopter, where we play alphas, betas, demos, and any other new games that are pretty much within a six-month radius. I played a, a weird one Joel threw me onto called Skatebirds. Give me the premise, Joel.
2: Skatebirds. It's Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarder with burbs. That's what it is. That That's all it is.
0: Burb? Like burbs. the suburbs?
2: Uh, bad internet lingo for birds. Oh, okay. Burbs. <laughs> So, like, you play a little, like, uh, I'm not sure, is that a swallow, or is it, like, a little, uh, what kind of bird is that on the Well, skateboard?
1: can you say swallow? Are we allowed to say that? It, it look I think it changes, we're not, because sp- my... We're not
2: sponsored, Daddy, it's okay. Yeah, yeah but not, that's kind
0: of dirty. We're not monetizing dirty. yet. It's, it's kind of dirty, right? <laughs>
2: Absolutely I mean, not. you made it dirty. <laughs> You're damn right I did. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I think the, the bird type changes, or at least the color palettes and their headgear changes, because I, when I logged in and out later on, my bird changed from white to red, and instead of headphones, he had a Santa hat.
2: Yep, I noticed that too. A couple times I logged in, he went from a little hat that was uh, backward facing, and then one of those, uh, gosh, one of those hats that look kind of like a saucer around with like a, a black tassel up top, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking okay, about? Yeah. What kind of what yeah. hat is that?
1: It's so like a winter hat with a little tassel, like a stocking hat?
2: You said no, a not- saucer? You yeah, mean like, kinda- like a graduation hat? No, not quite. It looks like a dog bowl almost like uh, around the, the rim of the hat. And then it has a flat top and then it had a, a black tassel out the middle.
0: Guys, I think we're spending too much time on hats.
2: <laughs> that, anyway. <laughs> uh- so
1: Skatebird is currently Kickstarter Alpha. So it is still a little early on, it's still a little all over the place, but your basic setup is you are the bird on a tech deck and the skate park is someone's desk. So things are made out of pencils and erasers and cardboard. And that's all you get so far, you know, they're hoping this to to pick up steam and get kickstarted, but you got your basic Tony Hawk controls with grind, flip, and grab ollies and spins. It's it's, uh, it's your best of. It's your best of, Tony Hawk, as far as controls and what you can do. And now, they really
2: kind of drop you in right onto the desktop and just have you go at it. There's not really... It's not really a curated experience about how you go exploring around. And they've, they've got a level set up, and then they've got some randomly placed little bird NPCs that you can approach and hit a button and they'll give you goals (laughs) like you get in Tony Hawk with like meeting a certain point threshold before a timer runs out and stuff like that but it is very much uh kind of sparse in direction besides that
0: now this sounds like an Alex Arona game because I'm pretty sure in the last 20 years every time I've talked to you you've had a tech deck in your pocket if not in your hand
1: <laughs> I, I have one in
0: my hand right now. Oh well, there we go. So, how much
1: have you kickstarted this for, Alex? None, none yet. But I'm debating it just because I think the premise is so weird. Because the physics remind me a lot of Goat Simulator. Oh, it, yeah, it's real kind of slap happy and silly. When you fall, your body just kind of corpses out as a bird. Mm. It's tough.
2: Yeah, there, there's there's enough uh, rad doll physics kind of humor going on. When you're playing with it, the problem is right now with it being an alpha. I'm not sure how much of that is intentional versus how much is just the jank of the build that they've released for people to try out right now.
1: I, I think I am going to spend a little bit more time with it, if only because I skateboarding games are kind of my jam, and I just get kind of I, I could zone out and just play for a while. I think when Skate One came out, I played the demo for probably close to 100 hours.
0: I don't even think you would talk to me during that time
1: when you were playing the demo. <laughs> I remember you guys would get angry at me. They're like, "Are you still playing this demo? The game has been out for like a year." Yeah.
2: Well, I remember us being at parties and you'd be
1: playing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, dude, just just one more, just one more. All right, <laughs> one
1: more. Give it a shot. It's real weird.
2: It, it's it's something. I, I it, it hits a lot of the same notes as Tony Hawk with the arcade skateboarding style. I just it's not as tight when it comes to trying to hit landings right or even like as you're floating in the air the kind of gravity that they're positioning you on is kind of off and again i'm not sure how much of that is the nature of it being an alpha versus whether the developers are trying to make this more of a dope simulator kind of humor thing more so than something that you can take on as a legitimate like game that's a rack up a store on but i'm not sure
1: and they have uh, already with the differences in birds and hats and obviously, probably the skateboards themselves, I think that they do have a market to just have some variability and some changing changing up of the cosmetics.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens here. I'm just, at this stage, I'm not sure that they're going for what I want out of a skateboarding game.
1: But Getty, you should
0: seriously give this a shot.
2: I mean, it's I, free.
0: I don't think that I'm I'm able to play a skateboarding game. Not after Tony Hawk? I No, I've never played a skateboarding game. I feel like if I tried, I'd just fall flat on my face like in real life.
1: We'll give it a shot. You'll come over one day, and I'll I'll foreskate one demo. Oh, okay. So you're gonna blindside me with it? Yes.
0: <laughs> hey, bro, check out this sweet snake game that I got. It turns <laughs> out it's just just put it
1: in your hands. Just Tony your Hawk hands.
0: Bird Simulator.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know about that, but you know what is your jam though? What turn turn-based RPGs? Turn-based? How how do you know about turn-based RPGs? Well, because we played one
0: this week. A game called Chris Tails. Oh. Actually, yeah, we did. So, Chris Tales. I, I assume you want me to start out with this one.
1: Yeah,
2: go for it. It follows the stylings of MC Chris and his misadventures through life. And
0: ooh, if that were a game, oh, I definitely have to play that. Paint me a word picture. No, not the word picture thing again. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The bonus level is you waking up to find that your MCP pants and having to find your way away from Frylock and Meatwad. Wad. Are
0: are we allowed to talk about adult swim IP without getting in trouble?
1: Only for like only for like a minute and a half and then after that they'll censor us.
2: I think it falls under fair use. So far. Is,
0: is there actually a game with the characters from Aqua Teen Hunger Force?
2: There sure is. There's like a golf game for the PlayStation Ugh. 2.
0: <laughs> we can't just come up with that on the fly. Well, yeah, I guess it's been a while. No, Chris Tales is actually about a girl named Chris Bell, and it's a very stylized anime RPG. And the first thing I noticed when firing up the demo on Steam was that the music reminded me of playing kind of like Final Fantasy VII, but in the open world, right when Mm. you finally got out into the the giant fields from Midgard.
2: So the worst part of Final Fantasy VII.
0: Hey, come on. It was a pretty, it was, that was a pretty part. Are you just really upset about all the sandworms that you had to fight and having to catch a chocobo?
2: I'm still a little hurt over the cactuar that I'm dealing with right now in nine that I'm a little scorned by open world parts of Final Fantasy. I thought
1: it was cactuar.
2: It is. I don't, I've got a cold, (laughs) leave me alone.
1: (laughs) You heard him, he's cold. Okay, (laughs) he's cold. (laughs) Okay, so we have a turn-based RPG with a girl named Chris Bell. Oh yeah, it, you know you you have your attacks, you have your escape, you have your ma- your magic or you know techniques that are special abilities. Uh, you have a party. You can have multiple people. From what we saw in the demo, there was two people.
0: There there were at least two people, but at the end you were gonna get a third one. But at the start of the game, or at least the demo, you get dropped right into combat. So you have to try and figure out what you're doing. It has that real nice sweet spot mechanic. So when you're attacking, you hit a button and you can do a double attack, which really beats down the enemies but right after the combat you get this conversation with your frog companion and he is i'm pretty sure he's david cross
1: he sounds like david cross quite he a bit
0: sounds like david cross and the way yeah. he jumps around in his like little hat he's a frog and he's yeah. jumping around in a tiny hat i'm like yeah definitely reminiscent of his character in arrested development
1: so the the frog the frog <laughs> was that, leads a heavy you? that was joel
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know are you going to be okay? Uh, I just, I,
2: I, I've seen enough of David Cross outside of Arrested Development to know that he's kind of a pompous asshole. So it kind of broke the illusion to me a little
1: bit. Oh, I mean, oh. We have friends that actually go and see him whenever he's in town and they, like, go get autographs and
2: stuff. That That's cool. He's just not for me.
1: Well,
0: it was still kind of fun to hear somebody that sounded like him. And he's like, hey, Chris Bell, you should probably go over this way. and i'm like yeah yeah i'm gonna go over that way
1: yeah and so you follow this talking frog on a journey that well it starts off with just he gets your attention and then it obviously goes into uh more a, you know a a journey of discovery where you end up with the capabilities you become well, uh, you know, like in most JRPGs, like the, the one, and you have the ability to see the past and the future and the present simultaneously.
0: Well, to to preface it a little bit, in the demo, you start out as a fully grown adult, and then after you go through a couple of battles, you hit a boss fight, and then the frog jumps in and he's like, Chris Bell, use your time travel power, and you actually get rewound back in time to when Chris Bell is a little girl, and she runs into the frog, and he guides her onto that story. So the narrative that it's already weaving is pretty interesting to me.
2: This feels like it's evoking a lot of chrono-trigger between uh, sort of the the blank protagonist along with a a frog companion and the time-travel conceit. Does it play anything like that, or is it just sort of using similar hooks?
0: No. I, I mean, I felt actually sorry for the main character because she was growing up in an orphanage so it does paint you a little bit of a picture where she doesn't have her i believe it's her aunt has passed away
1: yes it's her aunt yeah
0: and she gets pushed off onto the orphanage and she really resonates with the matron who's watching over the kids and she has a lot of a lot of just need to get back to her when she sees that there's trouble in the village
2: Okay, so there's an active narrative and it's not just a blank slate for you to take control yeah. of like it is in Chrono.
1: She's talking a lot. She has a, a lot of dialogue back and forth. Ooh. Um but that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is that
0: everything actually has the voices. So there's a lot of voice acting already for every character that I encountered.
1: And there this is a uh this is the demo, the early demo, but uh, I did notice there was one person I can't remember who it was I want to say it was the villainous uh bounty hunter I think it was that he sounded like he was recording in the bathroom <laughs> did not notice that but that's yeah he just had a like everybody sounded crisp and clean and professional and then one guy sounded like he had a real bad echo so it was kind of funny
2: or maybe at my house
0: yeah oh wow well.
1: uh, so uh um, that's been recording at your house
2: oh <laughs> You never
1: know. Kelly might have like three other different podcasts. Yeah,
2: Kelly, how many podcasts do you have? What? Never mind. <laughs> All,
1: All right. right so, right, right, so back to it. Uh, I, what I wanted to say is, it plays like Chrono Trigger, where you have uh, dynamic combat, uh, turn-based, but they'll have you in different positions. And the reason why the different positions is, like you know, on the map in a fight in a combat scenario is because. While like Chrono Trigger, the main mechanic is that your screen is essentially split into three different sections. The left third of your screen is the past, the middle is the present, where your main character sits, and the third right side is the future. You move throughout the towns and the world, the world map and everything to that extent, but those thirds remain, so if you put a character, uh, a, there's a character on the screen, some an NPC. If you shift your screen just so you see the past, you'll see them as a little kid. If you shift your screen so that NPC is in the right side, you can see them as either a completely different character, not there, or an old person, depending on what their, their so-called future is.
0: Yeah, and I found this really cool because you could use the time hop ability and pull yourself into one of those sections of your reality. So in... Part of the demo, you have to solve a puzzle, and it's to figure out what one of the jars used to have on it. So you have to time hop as the frog character, push a crate so that you know which vial has poison in it, and which one has a healing medicine, and then you can jump back to the present. So it does have a lot of this playing on past, present, and future from what we saw in
1: maybe an hour worth of gameplay and having well this is all a very cool mechanic and a different something i haven't seen before I, f- I felt like it made it a kind of a pain to see like having the screen the screen split into threes while a solution to be able to see past present future at the same time i felt like when i wanted to just focus on the present i felt suffocated with how much i could see and i kept having to like move around the map more just to talk to the npc in the present Instead of them like oh it's in the past you can't interact with them you know you have to shift your screen and position everybody in the right position to be able to have like a you know a, a contact an NPC and just start a dialogue.
2: So that mechanic does it does it only work within the construct of traveling around the world or are there battle implications for it too?
1: Oh, that's there are. That's, That's why you have the positions in the combat system where some enemies will be on the left, some some enemies will be on the right. Sometimes your characters will be, I assume, positioned differently as well. But you can put enemies in the past and do something to the effect of getting their shield wet and then bring them back to the present, and now their shield has rust. And you could do damage through their shield. I think you got that a little bit reversed, but... Is it? Okay. You put it? You get them, you get them all, put, give them water in the present and then you Yeah. Throw and them then to you, the future?
0: Yeah, you go to the future and their shield is rested. But the position of the different monsters, so when you start a battle, everything is in the present. And then one of the skills that you can use can either bring the characters to the past or to the future. So you could potentially take one of these very veteran looking monsters and throw him all the way into the future where his main battle skills are magic. Well, if you have a regular-looking monster on your left-hand side, you can take them back to the past so that all they do is melee attacks, which could be very beneficial for you.
2: That's really interesting to me. That makes this a lot more compelling uh, to me, is is having that kind of system that you have to strategize around, you know, and and not just be a straight back-and-forth of hitting and magic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh it was interesting. Uh, I just felt like again when you're walking through the world, the screen felt it just felt very small and and, and cut off some of my own visuals. Um, the other thing, the other comment I had, I I liked this a lot, but the other negative comment I had was that it got real gophery real fast. If you know what I mean. No. It's he, yeah. It did, the, the first quest, the first uh not first, but like in this demo, the it's the demo is only an hour long, so one of the quests they give you is. Go talk to this person and get them to fix this thing. And you talk to that person, they say, I only do it if this person does this other thing. And then you go to that person, that person says, get me three of this. And it's like, oh, this is, it's one of those.
2: Yeah. Okay, so they're sending you on fetch quests to move you along the next series of missions or whatever.
1: And it's just, it just seemed, I played for an hour and it just kind of was longer already than kind of what I wanted. Yeah. Really? I see I mean, it just it, it just showed its hand really fast to me that it was like oh this is what it is okay go yours is a bunch of fetch quests and then like multi step you have to do quests for three people in a row to get that first guy to do anything so it's just yeah like, oh, wow. no
0: I definitely get that but one of the things that was really drawing me in is that there was a part where you had to make a serious decision there was a family that would definitely be homeless if you didn't try and save their house or there was the apothecary shop where if you saved that building, then medicine for the whole town would be easily accessible in the future. So it had me make a moral decision, and if the game follows that path where you continually have to make decisions by going back and forth to the present, past, and future, then I'm definitely on board for this.
2: Yeah, and that would make everything pretty meaningful as to going through those Missions that could seem mundane if there's something as rudimentary as what Alex is saying too, giving weight to the decisions like that.
1: Yeah, and, and they and of course all of the the quests end up using the dynamic of the time hop being you know because you send the frog through the time your character doesn't, but uh, you plant a tree and then you can go forward in time and see the fruits of your labor and just it's stuff like that. It was. It, it did do its best with what it had, and I'm interested to see how far it goes, whether this be like a three-hour game or a 20-hour game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the the art style was very cartoonish, which I thought was cool, like a cartoon network.
0: And how did you feel about the combat style?
1: Uh, are you talking about the way it kind of looked like, all the menus kind of looked like Persona 5? Yes, I am. Yeah, I, oh. I, I, I noticed that, and I liked it all, just very pop-out in your face. And uh, again, just uh, let's see here. I think that's as far as I've got, uh, as far as my comments on it. I felt really good about this
0: game. And as long as it seems like they're going to ask a fair price for it, I'll definitely be picking it up. I want to say that my limit might be $20, but depending on the level of choices that you're going to be able to make, I could go higher. It It's really dependent on a couple of things. But... Let me tell you about my favorite part from just dicking around in the game when I had a chance. The mana mm-hmm. potion was an orange juice box. I, I didn't notice that. Yep. I found one. I had to, like, zigzag around and find a secret area after I got the time the time hop ability. But it was definitely worth
1: it. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I, maybe I didn't explore the space as much in, in the time that I played because I kind of wanted to knock this one out and see where it went. I think that twenty dollars is the fair price, uh, and I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's coming to Switch. As Ooh, I, don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. So that, that makes That's me much more
2: do. inclined to try it out. Then.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: you gotta you gotta hop on this one,
1: Joel, Especially if it comes to Switch. Sure. Hit that demo, man! It's live now. It's all. It's. I, I would recommend that to anybody who likes JRPGs, just to give it a shot and see what they do. Because that space has been explored a lot throughout the years and to have something that's a little bit different I've never seen before was a nice touch
0: at least with the way the screen was separated so you had the different aspects of time
1: because you could see the progression
0: of time as you walked across the screen so you could see the houses go from from young to old it was really nice
1: yeah that that was the again the the thing that stood out for me was moving around seeing it all real time just how okay move the camera a little bit and you just get like a completely different person or something having to animate the world three times with three different you know npcs different aging processes the actual atmosphere the way the you know the buildings looked that was a very nice touch a lot of extra work that was the earliest of adopters maybe a little too early that's fine now let's break into some news It's time for news. Not all the news, just the news we have lukewarm takes on. Joel, our local Nintendo aficionado, please tell me what you got for me this week.
2: Yeah, it's turning out to be that way. Uh, Ars Technica brought out some rumor monitoring with a leak of a photo associated with a Nintendo Switch accessory maker that included a mock-up of a proposed Switch Mini. And, uh...
0: You said Switch Mini?
2: Yep. So it it was rumored a while back, I think uh, brought on by a Forbes article based out of Japan, that Nintendo was working on a Switch Mini as well as like a Switch Pro model to be released either later this year or next year. And nothing's really come about other than further rumors saying that the Pro model got delayed because they were having trouble getting it to operate well.
1: And that's why they and that's why the Switch Mini hasn't been released yet is because they're waiting they want to release them both at the same time.
3: Well,
0: when you say mini, how much smaller? Because I feel actually pretty good about the size of the Switch now. It's not huge, but so it's way, it's kind of bulky.
2: So the way the rumors have been running are that the screen size itself would stay the same. It's more that the form factor around the Switch would be more compact mm. and the bezel around the screen would be smaller as well as the Joy-Con portions would not be detachable, so it would be affixed to the sides like a 2DS has the controls next to it. Okay. So if you have uh, our dock up here, I, I went ahead and took the screenshot and affixed it to our notes here, and that gives you a good idea of the, the mock-up that they are going with. But it looks like, it just basically looks like the Switch with the Joy-Con a little bit more compact, and then no dividing sections for you to slide the Joy-Con out of and a d-pad a dedicated d-pad on the left hand side of it
1: that's what excited you this d-pad huh
2: <laughs> well yeah i mean for for a console in legacy that has so many 2d platformers it's it's kind of a crying shame that it doesn't have a, a dedicated d-pad on to it i mean i understand the the concept of the switch sort of dictates that you need to have matching controller sets but uh I mean, I've even gone out of my way to buy a third-party uh, Joy-Con that has a D-pad just to have something to work all the platformers with. So,
0: oh, uh, aren't yeah, you risky? Well, I
2: mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to play a handheld for it to work. That's the only problem. Yeah, but uh, right. no, we don't need to touch upon this too long. But I just I found it interesting, and it was kind of a, a neat thing, even if it turns out to be a bunk rumor, uh, giving sort of a sense of what it might look like.
0: Even if it is, aren't we taking a step back and looking at more of a, like a Game Boy situation here?
1: Well, you got to think that the pretty much the last game for 3DS just recently came out, and there's no further indication that they're going to continue down the 3DS
0: support support route. But it was already a bold move that they went with a the fake 3D. Well, I guess it's real to some people, but the fake 3D display. I I have one. I've used it probably more than I should have. But at the same time, the Switch just feels better to me. It feels more like a, like a game gear.
2: Well, I, I think as, as long as you can still slide this into a dock and have it uh, direct the input to the TV still and be able to play on TV, it still, still serves the same purpose generally. I mean, it would force you to buy separate controllers to do that, but I, I sort of feel like it still fits neatly within that Switch business model. And uh, I will I will defend 3D on 3DS for as long oh. as I need to.
0: No, no, I'm not saying that it's bad, but I just, the amount of time that I used it versus the time that I didn't, I feel like it was much more in favor of not using it, because oh. I'd have to stare at the screen dead on.
2: Oh, I agree. I think, I think Mario 3D Land and then Ocarina of Time were the two that I really touched it with. And I even, we got a new 3DS, and that actually does eye motion tracking and so it actually uh, worked that's really much better. well yeah but uh most people didn't so it was too late by then oh, there you go i will
1: I, I will say the the 3ds 3d is bad
2: you're bad
0: it's not it's not bad it's just if you aren't staring at it dead on you're not going to get the same effect i know and it was real hard to get it lined up is it because you would lay in bed on like the side of your face and you try and line it up with your face how did you play? Sitting
1: straight up in a chair, holding your 3DS an inch from your face?
0: No, not an inch from my face, but I yeah, held okay. it straight up like an adult. Okay, with your <laughs>
1: elbows out—that just seems awkward. Alex, I'm calling You're your gonna bluff end here. up with
0: some bad elbow joints going forward if you don't take the care of your
1: body that you should. I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm saying that to you. I'm look—I'm putting my arms up the way you would hold a 3DS, and this all seems like uncomfortable. You need some better arm strength.
2: I, I went years holding a Dame Boy and a Dame Boy Advance in just the right angle so that the light shone on it without causing glare. I think I can live with a little bit of sitting still with the three D S.
1: Damn right, Joel. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you hear about uh, Breath in the Wild? The the note I had here was that they the sequels because they had too many ideas for D L C
2: Hmm. Good. Yeah.
1: They had some side stories, some side quests, some themes and challenges all ready to go, and they said, why don't we just make this a new
2: game? That's similar to what I remember hearing about Super Mario Galaxy 1 to 2, is that uh, they had so many ideas left on the cutting room floor of when they made Galaxy 1 that they knew they had nothing to make the sequel. So I'm interested to see what happens with that, because Galaxy 2 is generally known as the better one of the two, so it should get real creative and strange if it's like that.
1: Yeah, I that's what I was gonna say is that I remember Gal- hearing Galaxy Two being better than One. I would like to play those games. Nintendo, <laughs> are you blaming them? <laughs> no, I'm saying is that they should be for Switch.
2: Oh. I, I, I will say there's a the Nvidia Shield. I think in China technically is has both those games playable on it. Like legit sold through Nintendo through Nvidia on their device, and the Switch is basically a Nvidia Shield with like Nintendo peripherals on it. So, in theory, it should be available.
1: Exactly. To China. How much are those Nvidia Shields? Because again, I want to play that
2: game. <laughs> uh, just just buy a Wii and the games. It's cheaper. Uh,
1: let's let's just settle this. I have a
0: Wii. You buy
1: the games. We'll do it. Ooh. There Deal. Go. Deal um let's see other uh mario news this is old news rather than new news i just wanted to bring up have you guys heard of zelda and chill and mario and chill sounds sexual mm, it is <laughs> it is
2: there is
1: uh an artist that is releasing these remix albums which is taking taking mario themes and zelda themes and turning them into co- like covers like lo-fi covers so um mario or the legend of zelda uh, zelda and chill is very much uh like hip-hop beats and lo-fi relaxing music with legend of zelda and then mario and chill is more synth wave so it sounds almost like you mix mario with some hotline miami synthesizers oh man yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's something to put in the background. I know when I was on vacation, I bumped both of those uh, fully, and I was very pleased with the remixes. They have some of the classics here. Let's see. You, got, you guys remember Dire Dire Docks?
0: Ugh, I, I don't think I do.
1: That's the famous water level from Mario 64.
0: See well, maybe I definitely played the, the game. There I just... are a
2: few, yeah, I'm trying. There are a few water levels in that game. I mean, the first water level is the first probably one, most iconic one to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that that song that mixed in with some synthwave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got the game over music. You got Rainbow Road, and even the the new Mario Odyssey theme is really cool with some synth- synth- synthesizers playing in the background.
2: That The Dame Over theme, or the Dame Over music is like five seconds long. How do you... <laughs> he
1: extends it into like two and a half minutes. <laughs> oh, it's brutal. It's, it's, it's really nice. It's really relaxing. It's something to have in the background. Uh, Getty knows my love of lo-fi during parties, just having music in the background just to chill with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this also kind of reminded me of something else video game related. Uh, do you guys remember Ocarina of Rhyme? Mm, no crickets Mm. Crickets? alright so there this was something else I wanted to just bring up which is kind of funny there was a group called Team Teamwork and Team Teamwork made uh, what they do is they will take they will take a classic so Ocarina of Rhyme they took music from Ocarina of Time made it into a hip hop beat and then took a famous rap song and took the like the rappers rapping that famous rap song and matched them up to these beats
2: are these the same guys that did the Toronto Trigger one with uh, Jay-Z?
1: Maybe. <laughs> I'd have to look into that. But they, it's it's like that idea. And the oh, Vinyl Fantasy Seven was them doing the same. It wasn't as good for uh, Vinyl Fantasy VII. Uh And then I was researching this just because, you know, my brain w- took me on a tangent. And I found they also did an album called Katamari Da MC.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're going to need some links after the show here. Yeah, (laughs) I need to listen to this.
1: There's something real strange about uh, Pusha T's song Move That Dope to Katamari Remixed Beats. I'm sure there is. Uh, And then the last bit was that they also released uh, an album called Super Nintendo Sega Genesis, which is just a compilation of songs. And they did a decent Guile beat, you know, the Guiles theme.
2: It goes with everything.
1: Yeah, now throw some hip-hop be- like drums in there, and then have ludicrous rapping roll out, and you're all set. What? Yeah, it's I pretty can good. hear it. I can yeah. hear it, yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'll, I'll send you guys some links, and we can put it in the show notes, too. It's all solid music that's fun. It's all on Spotify as well, so... All right. Um, and the last piece of news I wanted to bring up was that uh, EA publicly said that Items in, in some video games are not loot boxes, they are surprise mechanics and quite ethical. And I will punch that person in the back of the head. It's a real. You know, you could just imagine them with the evil mustache just twirling it on the side. Yeah, like. Ha ha
2: ha ha ha. It's very illegal and very cool. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's legal the... now, but. Come on. <laughs> it's the coolest. <laughs> Gambling already makes me sad. Why do I want to gamble to see if I can get something out of a, a digital box?
1: Because it, it could be a real cool Mercy skin. Oh, yeah. No, I don't
2: care. The only way I want to see loot boxes implemented now is to punish Pokemon haters and, and Sword and Shield.
1: How so? Okay, okay, hold on. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. This was not good. I, I, took, I put it on here and took it off like three times because I didn't want to rant. But Pokemon people need to get over it. I'm sorry you know how I had this discussion earlier there are around 20 to 30 characters in Dragon Ball Fighter Z Street Fighter series they're about the same you take you know soul Calibur, all that stuff and they will tell you the in the, the biggest pain in the ass is balancing those characters so that nobody is op there's con- constant shifting patches to make sure that oh these people are found that the, the, this guy's way better than anybody else okay let's make him let's nerf him and take him down some Pokemon, there are, in the first one, 150. At this point, we're over 1,000. Of course, Pokemon Sword and Shield will not have all 1,000. Well, yeah, and I don't think that they should. But all of the fans of Pokemon do. No. And they are, There's it's... an internet
2: hate parade going on right They're now. They're
1: real mad. They're real mad. I saw that this week,
0: and I think it's ridiculous. Come on. Having to port all of those characters, too? Just... Let the dynamic of the game play out. Maybe there's going to be some that you fall in love with. There's going to be some that you fall out of love with. It's the way that the game has always gone. Each time there's a new game, I find six Pokemon that I love, and I can make it all the way to the end with.
2: Pokemon to me is getting Charlie Kelly levels of like uh, conspiracy theories with like scre- <laughs> with like of like uh, screenshots posted next to uh, lawn explanations about how. Nintendo is screwing everybody, and I even saw stuff being posted around where they imposed Link from Ocarina of time in front of the backdrop of the open world part of *Sword and Shield* with a tree that's admittedly a little low res, and like claiming that it looked like an N64 game. So like they're <laughs> doing, they're doing full dish gallop and trying to just insult everything in response to this. It's it'd be kind of hilarious if it wasn't so like nasty at times
0: that's that's a thing though you got to get rid of the internet forums this is ridiculous
1: (laughs) and the other part is that again how many how many abilities do pokemon get is it four or five it's four
2: Four. well they can retain four at a time but each of them can learn several throughout
1: well yes right i understand that but when you go into combat you have four options for each pokemon if you have all a thousand some of them are just going to be the same i don't think it's going to be what they want it to be and balancing all of that so that nothing is overpowered and nothing, everything has a contradictory Pokemon to it is too much. And they need to give them a break or else you're going to crunch the crap out of them.
2: I bet they did add it eventually. That's the funniest part about this is I bet over time this game gets patched where they made it transferable. I mean, especially with that Pokemon Home stuff that they touted not too long ago.
0: And they can do that. But yeah, give the developers a break. Let them create what they wanted to. It's about creative IP, and we need to see new
1: ideas. We don't need to see the same thing 50 times. So one of our friends is a big Pokemon fan, and he says, it's called Gotta Catch Them All, not all Gotta Catch Some of Them. (laughs) And you will catch them all, maybe not in the same game. I just thought that was very funny, and I I just... uh, Okay, end rant. Yeah, Getty, Getty, take us home. Well, one of the things that we noticed in E3 was that
0: Sony was not present at all. But one of the things that we did see in the weeks uh, before was Death Stranding trailer and then the heavy presence of Final Fantasy VII. So even though Sony wasn't there physically, they were there making everybody think about their games or at least
2: games that were going to be released on their system.
1: They did a good job of being there and not being there. Right?
2: Yeah. Well, you you think about the slated games that are really upcoming for PlayStation Four, and with how much they're obviously focusing on PlayStation Five, it's like uh, Ghosts of Tsushima, Death Stranding, the Final Fantasy VII Remake, Last of Us Two. I mean, those are the only four that I think of in terms of high-profile games left, and that's that's all pretty much the same stuff they were talking about last year, right?
0: But when it comes to Sony games. You're going to stick around to see what
1: happens with those, right? Yeah, you gotta, you got to admit, while Xbox has been taking the backwards compatibility and we're all friends crossplay play method, Sony's been making these great collections of games that are just top tier, you'll talk about it for years. I mean, look at Horizon Zero Dawn. Uncharted. Yep, Uncharted as well, and Last of Us 1. I'm excited for their their games still, despite them not being at E3. I, I do feel like they're getting a little cocky, though. And and kind of feeling like oh yeah we're the top dog and bragging about it, so I I you know just I was kind of glad their last game died really quick. What was it the motorcycle game?
2: Days gone. Days yeah. gone. Yeah,
1: I feel bad for the the company who made it, but I I'm glad it was a hit to Sony just to kind of take them down a peg. Well,
0: it, it, from what I saw, it's not a bad game
1: either. It just didn't do as well as it should have. I've heard middling to opposite things but that's it's neither here nor there
0: well we'll just have to see what happens but i'm still really intrigued to see what happens with last of us 2 if in one of the following conventions or expos we get to see some of the gameplay because last year at e3 oh i just
1: want to play that game oh me too me too i really liked last of us one
2: is it bad that i stopped after the prologue to last of us one
1: Joel, can
0: I disconnect you from the podcast? Oh, you're fired. You're
1: fired. Is Steve on retainer? Yep, he is. Well, also, you, Dave, Dave Rock showed an interest.
2: You already took away my most valuable contribution, which was editing. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see how he does.
2: That, that is a gut-wrenching prologue. I'll, I'll give it that. It's just, oh, it's very
0: emotional. And then yeah. from there, the game just... It gets really deep and when you hit the finale, you actually sit there and think, was this decision correct for all the characters?
2: Yeah, I, I it was a bit hyperbole to say I stopped right after that, but I, I only doubt maybe an hour or so in before I paused and didn't come back to it and it just I dot I, I had fits and starts and stops with that for a bit. Got future,
1: future video game homework? Yes. That's what I was gonna say. Perfect. <laughs> perfect just I just I'll replay that game that game was awesome I already bought it on PS4 yeah I I, I saw it for like 10 bucks the other day I was like I don't know I could probably go for that game again six I bet bucks. It runs better
2: than the heavy rain port.
1: Uh, <laughs> hey that.
2: next week next week we're talking about
1: that next week next week is heavy <laughs> rain all right and yeah, we'll get through that okay there's no denying my love of funky fresh beats let's listen to one of my favorite songs now while we take a break <laughs> Love that song. But for now, it's time we get into the Backlog Blog, where we play those oldies but goodies. I started this week with a game I've been tinkering with for the last month. I took I took a big chunk of it out and vacation. A game I like to call Moonlighter. Wait, you like to call it or it's named Moonlighter? It's both. It's both. <laughs> okay. It's also the title. Moonlighter. I played it on the Switch. It's been out for, I think it came out last year. Uh, it's another Legend of Zelda-like. Some would think I like that series. You'd be wrong. <laughs> Seems like it after the last couple of weeks. I know. Minute and now this.
2: For someone who doesn't like that genre, you keep on playing an awful lot of them.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping one day it clicks.
2: Except for the real article. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Moonlighter, you're a hero named Will. You got your dodge, which is just a forward roll. And then you Ooh. have your weapon attack, which could be a spear, a sword, or a broadsword. And those are upgrade, you have upgradable armor and upgradable weapons. The overall conceit, let's just get down to the conceit here and get to what the main mechanic is. You are the shopkeeper for the adventurers to go explore the dungeon. Boo. Yeah, so you're the shopkeeper in Legend of Zelda.
3: Hmm.
1: Boo. You (laughs) at night, you go into the dungeons yourself, you explore, you fight bosses, and you get loot. You collect the loot for resale, and we're going to get into that in a second, but I just want to make reference to so you get the loot, you put it in your bag, and you have very limited inventory space. No, seriously. You have re- you have uh, five slots on your person, and then 15 for your bag. They Everything only stacks up to five, sometimes 10, depending on the item, and the more things you gather, the more your bag fills up. You have several options to deal with that. You You can move things around in your bag, specifically because some are cursed and need to be in positions in your bag. Like some needs to be to the left or the right of your bag. Some have arrows that they will destroy something in the slot, you know, diagonally to the bottom left of that item. And you can also just trash things for money instantly. And then you take your items and you go back to your shop and you have table space, counter space. You put out your items. And here's where the secondary part of this game comes in. The game has a has a moving and dynamic economy. The more you sell something, if you keep selling the same thing over and over again, the less people want to pay for it.
0: Alex, let me cut you off here. Yep. So you play as a dick who goes into the dungeons and takes all the good items out, and then you sell it back to the adventurers who might be trying to save a princess. Exactly. He is the
2: De Beers of adventure games.
1: I'm really upset. I'm really upset. And let me tell you, if a, if a guy comes in and he wants a weapon, I'm double-pricing that weapon. Ugh. I mood. gets mine. I gets mine. You got skin in the game? I do. I make <laughs> mad sh- they ducats. Sh-
2: they should have called this Blood Daggers. I <laughs> should have called this Dick Express.
1: <laughs> this is come up with different names for Moonlighter instead of Moonlighter. Well, you already said you like to call it Moonlighter, so... Well, now I like to now I like to call it Dick Express.
2: <laughs> uh, a few questions here. Uh, one, is it a road like? Yes, it is. You
1: go into your dungeon, you get the items you want, and then you have to pay money to exit the dungeon or you die <laughs> or you di- who kills you? <laughs> hey, who kills you? Who All kills the enemies you? in the dungeon. You have to pay them to not kill you. No, you have to pay them to escape. You have to pay a magic mirror to escape the dungeon.
2: All right, Joel, continue. Question two, are they randomly generated dungeons? Yes, they are. I'm out. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> Me too. It's, uh, usually the dungeons are about five to ten screens. You know, you walk into a room and it's like a square thing. Door closes behind you. There's three enemies. So you got to defeat them before the door opens. You get their items, which is like twigs or string or other pieces of items that you can either trash for money or you put in your bag and then you can teleport back to your shop and resell it. If you die, you lose everything in your bag, but not the things in the five slot on your person. Uh, you sell them in the shop, and people will you open your doors, and you have from morning till night when people will just consistently come in. And they will look at your prices, and they will give an emoji above their head whether they're happy, think this thing is dirt cheap and they should buy it, or I'm pissed off this thing is too expensive. What did you like about this game? I think it's real funny the fact that there are people who will come and try to shoplift and you have to tackle them. Okay.
2: (laughs) Do they have like a real good tackle animation or something like that to go along with it?
1: You use your dodge roll that you have. You have to dodge roll into them and then it does the cloud and you see fists flying everywhere.
2: Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, That's pretty good, yeah. yeah.
1: I like the economy. I like the fact that if I sell something too much, the price will fluctuate like, oh, that guy didn't like that. I should probably drop it 10 more gold. And... Yeah, as you go through, you can build, you can invite more shopkeeps to your town, so there's a town-building aspect where they can help build more armor or potions and whatnot. Um, I like the dungeon crawling. It's just there is no way to expand your inventory, so you're kind of stuck with those slots. And there are little tricks where you can teleport some stuff back home if you find this magic chest. It, it's just... You, I started to see the loop enough that I, I didn't feel like I needed to continue. I would go into a dungeon... And I would spend half an hour and then I would die. Or I would spend half an hour, teleport back, set up my shop with this amount of money I wanted to to sell my things. They would sell. I'd go run out there, put more items out, just keep refilling my shop. And then I would use that money to buy armor to go back into that dungeon and do it again. So is there a way to culminate the game? Like, is there a goal that you're trying to reach? Yes. There are five dungeons. You need four keys of the first four dungeons to unlock the fifth one.
0: But what do you get out of it? Like, you become
1: the greatest shopkeeper of all times? It's a, it's There's a story to it that uh, they felt like pe- dun- uh, explorers were dying too much in the, the dungeon, and the town started to dry up because you know, the explorers stopped coming since they locked down the dungeon, so no one wanted to come and explore anymore. You're trying to build back your town up and trying to make people happy, and as you do that, your town starts to thrive, and the more dungeons you clear... The town starts to get built up again. You start seeing more adventurers and more people buying your stuff. So. Yeah. Sounds more
2: like you're the sacrificial lamb to get business back.
1: That's exactly it. <laughs>
2: so, not going to sell me on it either.
1: <laughs> I. It's a cute game. It's pixel art. And it's, again, very Ze- Legend of Zelda ish. I just saw the loop really fast. And I felt the grind
2: very fast. Road lights are the amnesia of Dame Botanics. Hmm.
1: Just, they use it a lot.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'd like if you like
1: that type of game, and you want something to podcast. You want to put like a podcast in your back, your you know, in your headphones, or play some music, or just have something going on in the background. You just want to come back to it every once in a while. That it'd be fine for that. I just I didn't want to invest any more into it. All right. Yep. But that is Moonlighter. Now, Joel, Borderlands Three is a game that is coming out.
2: It is a game.
1: Now you had you had referenced to me, I believe, on this podcast that you had never played a Borderlands game.
3: <gasps>
1: that is correct. And I felt like we should rectify that, so me and you have been playing Borderlands One: The Remaster.
2: Yeah, it was the remaster, right? Ah, uh, yes. Right. So actually, uh, they they announced this back when they had the first trailer for Borderlands Three. And I jumped on an old copy of the Game of the Year edition on PC for like seven bucks because they announced that they were going to upgrade everybody who owned the first one to the remaster. Uh, sort of fortunate timing then. So see, being a patient gamer won out for this one for me. I, I guess I should start with, uh, this is probably where I should admit, I didn't know what the name Claptrap was referring to huh. until I it was explained to me by what? Alex and Kelly. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> New, new vernacular that I can never use anywhere in real life, but... Uh, it's your kids know.
1: will ask you what that is, and you will have to say, it's a robot who likes dubstep. Go, ask your, wub, 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 Go wub, ask your wub. mother. Go ask your mother.
2: I should say that uh, for any, anybody who has played games, even I knew generally what Borderlands 1 was by osmosis. It's a loot shooter. Is a common vernacular now sort of are traveling this open wasteland with cell shaded everything with this really grungy style to it. And everything actually looks pretty good in this remaster. I mean, in spite of it being a fairly old game now, uh, I'm not sure how much of it is due to them touching it up with the remaster or if the first one still looked pretty good, but this edition looks good.
1: It looks very similar, honestly. They, they made it a little more crisp around the edges yeah and and then they added also some uh touch of, you know some touch of life uh just improvements uh do you you remember you played the first one right getty
0: oh i played all of them up to this point
1: do you remember not having a mini map in one right yeah it was a pain yeah now they have them
0: what get out of
1: here mm? yeah you had a nice little mini map at the you top you had to pull up the map in order to figure out where
0: you were trying to go
2: so they didn't have a mini-map? Did they even give you, like, a compass direction?
1: They they only uh, gave you the compass.
0: Yeah, it, it was just the compass direction, and there would be, like, the little star, or the, yeah, star where you needed to go. And, and it would and have
1: run red dots like on the compass compass where the enemies were, mm-hmm. which is kind of pain, because at a certain point you would just spin around. Like, I think there's an end. Okay, there it is.
2: Right, yeah. that still wouldn't be ideal. I mean, even when we were playing together this past week or so... Uh, when we were in instances, I would find they would give you a direction on the mini-map, but you'd have to be able to navigate around the terrain that you couldn't just jump over. So even even without the, the map, it wasn't always clear about where to go next sometimes. That's for
1: sure. Uh, they also added, uh, was it Golden Keys? If you remember Golden Keys, Getty? They, if...
0: So in the second game, they had Golden Keys, and then in 2.5... Or whatever it was supposed to be, 1.5, they also had them. Which, if you go to the golden chest, you can use the golden key to unlock some seriously heavy firearms.
1: And the golden keys you get from the Gearbox Twitter, Gearbox Facebook, uh, Randy Pitchford himself, anybody really. They'll just start throwing out. He's just throwing them out. Like they're candy.
0: Like it's magic. Ooh.
1: Which is... (laughs) Oh, God. Actually, I thought
0: we were gonna make it this week without talking about Randy. But we Sorry, still like, it's did. It's fucking magic.
1: <laughs> it's fucking magic, yeah. If you would have seen these golden keys, you you would have thought it was magic too. All right, but next week we can't talk about Randy. Done. Done. <laughs> no, for real. Oh, so, so hold on. I had I had some golden keys already spared away, and it's it's nice to play. I'm playing with Joel. He's starting out. He's starting everything fresh, and I go to the 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 chest and I pop out, and all of a sudden I have a bazooka that shoots electricity, and a super high-powered machine gun that makes turns everyone on fire. Oh, so it's pretty nice.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, you can see the same kind of hooks here that are in its contemporaries like Destiny and Division. You know, going into instances with enemies that are basically bullet sponges and then bosses that are bitter bullet sponges that you have to did through before you did the the higher tier loot that allows you to go back out to the next set of levels after you've leveled up. They've got some neat abilities, like I'm playing as a Berserker character, so when I pop my ultimate or whatever, it's basically him doing fisticuffs and punching everybody around, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a fun change to your normal play once you get to be able to pop and use that. So, I mean, it's it's it has those same hooks and works really well with that. Uh, I, I did notice a few times we played that there was some instances of, like, stuttering that were happening while I was playing and that I thought initially were programs in the background taking too much of a load uh, hmm. on my computer, but even after clearing that out, I would sort of notice Alex's character model kind of stuttering as it walks around and as I was walking around. But, hey. uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's a feature of just the, the game itself or if it's just... And irritant than I noticed but
1: it's like it's like you're playing heavy rain
2: <laughs> only only the uh, the text as far as I could tell
0: well uh, Joel Steve talked about it a little bit when he and I were playing some of the pre sequel mm-hmm. the game doesn't look as natural as something like destiny where the beauty of the landscape also goes with the you know how well they worked on the characters so no matter what the character is wearing it looks good as they're running beside you. Mm-hmm. I feel like that might be a little bit of it, but it is an older game, so I'm not too surprised by that.
2: Yeah, and it's not something that's really detracting too much. Just something I noticed while we were playing. It, it's hidden all the same kind of buttons, if maybe a little less uh compelling at, than I might find some of the more recent games. If it weren't for having somebody to play through this through with, I would be less inclined to play it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. The first one I played, I played with with Beth and she really liked she really liked playing the sniper so i was the guy that was going around punching people Mordecai. yeah, yeah. uh you can also i was going to say you can also see the you see it in the predecessors but you also can see it in the you know in the ones that kind of came before it but not the contemporaries uh the predecessors you can see like diablo has has influence on in this game where you're seeing the loot tier system mm. oh yeah and later da- later down the road you it pays to play the game and beat it again and again and again with new situations, new gear that comes each time, and just keep getting more and more powerful.
0: Wait, are are we no spoilers right now, or can I spoil it a little bit? I'm. It's a pretty old game. Feel
2: I jo- mean, I, I'm not precious about story spoilers here. Okay,
0: so it's not really a spoiler, but the last boss does not give you any good loot, and actually, they allude no. to that. In the next game, they're like, "Oh, remember that time you killed the Vault Guardian? Yeah, and he gave you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so get as much loot as you can now, because once you get to that last boss, he's
2: gonna give you dick.
1: We gotta see if we're if we're gonna go that far.
2: Do they let you carry over stuff from one to two?
1: Yes. Uh, no, uh, no. You get
0: no. If you do import your character, you get something. I think it's extra oh, okay. skins, and it might be. Uh, like a special weapon, but it was so long ago when I did it. Sure.
1: And the characters don't... the the, the character You play as different characters each Borderlands game, so... Yes.
2: Gotcha. Okay. But I,
1: I thought you meant, like, per playthrough, and, and yes, they do. They, you play it again, and you start over, and the enemies are now harder, and the oh, weapons yeah. you have are from the previous run.
0: Yeah, it goes from regular difficulty to badass, and then, like, ultra badass, I
1: want to say. Mm-hmm. So you'll see, if you go... Uh, say on a subreddit, you'll see, on playthrough, super badass, plus, 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 meaning they've like beat it five times and they're still going <laughs> and getting more... Because pu- like, uh, I think they do have a just an, a number generator, which is like, okay, raise the cap, here's your HP, now raise the stats on that gun.
2: So yeah. they just keep on scaling the enemy difficulty based on the leveling up that you're progressing in through each playthrough?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, like a Diablo. Right. That's, that's what kind of makes it fun is that you're there with your friends or you're there with a podcast or something like that. I don't necessarily feel like Borderlands is great by it on its own, which I feel like I can play Diablo by on its own. Yeah, I agree. Getty, what do you got for us in the backlog vlog this week?
0: Dig. Next week, I will talk
1: about SteamWorld Dig and not Gears of War 3. Good to know. I can't wait to hear about that. I liked the second one. Uh, a little bit better than the first one but
2: they are very very good games and I can't wait to understand that reference someday
1: yeah (laughs) let's play Gears of War (laughs) well we will continue to revisit Borderlands series so Joel will know what he's missing when he doesn't play Borderlands 3 until 8 years after it's release Uh. to hit you guys with a piece of video game history before we get into our one last thing. We had discussed uh, the term "It's Mario time" over the last couple months, and Joel has never understood that reference.
2: I've been told it's very racy. I
1: don't either. So, can you explain it? It's not. It's not that racy, but it just goes along with the theme of crunch, where people, uh, as, as you do with crunch, crunch is where. People will work 60 to 70 hour weeks to finish uh, a said game. They'll be at the time where it's like, okay, now we just got to really, you know, nose to the grindstone and finish this game and they don't get to go home and see their families They're just working themselves to death. It's a problem in the industry. Some say we're past it a little bit more now. It's, it's a whole thing. But there was an interview over at Game Asutra uh, with uh, an, former Nintendo planner Motoi Okamoto. Where he talked about where he uh, when he worked there at Nintendo from 1999 to 2008 and he was working on Super Mario 64 DS you guys remember that came I believe uh, launch with the DS
2: I believe so yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah he was quoted in saying that in those days Miyamoto would come to us at 11pm after he finished all of his board member work and say it's Mario time and at that point and again this is 11pm At that point, we'd start a planning meeting that would run until 2am. Miyamoto would go home at 2am, leaving us with the words, You should return home soon for your health. But over the next two or three hours, we'd write the game design documents and summarize the instructions for our artists and programmers. It was the craziest crunch time that I've ever experienced in my development career, but if the god of games was working so much, could we give up? Miyamoto had incredible stamina. And that was where It's Mario Time comes from.
2: That's heavy. Thanks for bringing a show down. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so it's become like uh, a side joke, but also kind of a grim phrase for, hey, it's time to start really working and busting our ass for Mario.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty miserable. That, that'd be like Walt Disney going by in his animator room and saying it's it's Mickey Mouse clubhouse time and, and then everybody having to go to manual labor. <laughs> It's, just it's
1: really Mickey Mouse really... time.
2: <laughs> that moment might be more true than I'm letting on.
1: <laughs> Mario
0: just pounding ass in the studio until it gets done. No. <laughs> no, Mario just giving it to everybody. Because that's what it sounds like. Mario was seriously ripping apart families and just giving it to everyone. With a whip. No. With <laughs> his plumber-shaped dong. And we're off.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you brought it up, okay. Let's let's go to the, one last thing. One last thing, where we give our final closing thoughts. I'll start with Tom Holland bench pressing Hannibal Burris on a couch for Final Fantasy XIV is pretty funny. Yes, Hannibal Burris rides a line between being a piece of shit and being pretty funny. So and high all the time, he, super high all the time. They uh, have you, you have seen it yet, Joel? Have you seen these commercials?
2: No. I have not.
1: For the new Final Fantasy 14 expansion, Tom, uh, they have a, called the Shadowbringer, and it, uh, supposedly it's a new class for Final Fantasy 14. and Tom Holland is, he's very, like, his focus is, I'm going to be the Shadowbringer, and they show him working out, bench pressing Hannibal Burris while he's on the couch, you see him doing push-ups, you see him working and posing with a super giant sword, which is pretty funny, like an anime-sized sword, <laughs> And Hannibal Burris says, "You don't have to work out to be the Shadowbringer, You just have to play the game." And then they play the game, and Tom Holland is killed instantly.
2: Yep. I feel like we've come a long way for celebrity tie-ins to Dame commercials.
1: That's what I'm saying. Is that it was it was refreshing to see these two completely weird opposite. actors to put together. Yeah, opposite actors to put together because Tom Holland's very clean cut, and Hannibal Burris kind of seems like a gross dude. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Joel, what's your last word?
2: Yeah, so Super Mario Maker comes out next week, so I'm real excited to spend the first hour of my time just spamming blocks on the screen until they unlock the next set of items to use over and over again until (laughs) everything's unlocked.
1: Sounds like a good weekend. I forgot that they gated you.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I expect Nintendo to have not learned their lesson at all. So that'll be fun, seeing my kids wonder why they can only use eight items to start with.
1: Now, the other half an hour after that is going to be putting in all your Amiibos.
2: Yeah. What what Amiibos? Nintendo forgot they have the Amiibos, other than just selling them to you.
1: That's true. I want some, yeah, but there's some we can get some good ones, like maybe a Keanu one. (laughs) You still on that? Nope, I'm not.
2: He he has to have the same stance as uh, Long Skinny Mario from Mario Maker 1, though.
1: No, but I want that Amiibo because that Skinny Mario is creepy.
2: He sure is. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I'm worried about with Mario Maker 2 Is that they're going to excise all the super weird and unsettling stuff That they let you do in one
1: Imagine the, uh, the creepy Mario in 3D Now you'll have nightmares <laughs> Getty, what's your last word? Guys, what's an acceptable
0: amount of time to take off of work When Witcher 3 comes to Switch?
1: Hmm.
2: As much time as you need As long as you're not actually playing it on Switch And playing it on PC or PlayStation 4 again hmm wow that's a slam
1: but also rumor is it looks like it's an xbox 360 game
2: i mean rumor you could see it in the trailer wow <laughs> i'm still gonna play it I'll, you
1: know what i think i would go for the switch version it would just take it's so easier to
0: take with you i have such a hard time now sitting down and playing something if i can't easily transition to stuff for this it's gonna be a lot better. If I'm on vacation, I can take it with me and try and hammer out some stuff. I, I mean, I'm... Literally I'm, hammer out some girls. <laughs> this series is notorious for getting down and dirty with a Joel. Come on.
2: I want to take the hot tub time machine back to before we started this conversation.
1: Kelly won't know. I played the first two, man. It Kelly was like a trading w- card game. You had to collect them all. Yeah, they, they gave you trading cards. After you get with the ladies i have vd after that i did collect them all though and all the it's, vd
2: i i'm usually like the nintendo defense force here but like the witcher seems like the kind of game you want to have the best graphical fidelity to really enjoy so I, that that's the main reason why i'm a bit stepped as to why i'd want to uh, play or anyone would want to play on switch but
1: i don't know i mean they put resident evil 7 on switch
2: yeah. Well, that 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 was different. They streamed it. That that wasn't actually a physical copy. So I like, think yeah. But do still you think it, do
1: you think it looked great on Switch? I don't think so.
2: I bet it looked good enough. <laughs> you you don't have enough faith in the all streaming future that you've already pre ordered for, right.
1: right? That that's true. Stadia, Arcadia. <laughs> also, Witcher three will look good enough. Those boobs will still look like boobs.
0: Oh, they will. And <laughs> trust me, I know a thing or two about animated boobs.
2: And what are I'm your gonna... thoughts on Tifa Lockhart in Final Fantasy VII Remake? Quick,
0: cool, get us I think out of here! Tra- I think we're transitioning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she looks fine. Leave Tifa alone. She can they punch a, me. That's all did I'm going to say. Job. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Join us next week where I explain what a Mexican Halloween is. And before we go. You can find us on Twitter at SuperGG Radio and Twitch.tv/superggradio, where I think Joel has finally been ridiculed enough to stream Outer Worlds.
2: I was sick, you ass. I mean, I'm <laughs> still, I'm still kind of sick, but I, I was sicker. And a few times I actually fell up to it. We actually got Kevin to play Metal Gear Solid, so it kind of uh, gave me an out.
1: Okay, right. give you this excuse this week. <laughs>
2: The next weeks will be different.
1: And I plan to stream some multiplayer madness with some Overwatch. I don't know, I got inspired to play Overwatch again, so I kind want like to Okay. Getty, you're going to hit us with some SteamWorld Dig?
0: Uh, I'm probably going to say SteamWorld Dig and then just play Destiny, so... <laughs>
1: I like your Destiny streams. They're pretty fun. Uh, they're filled with rage. That's why they're fun. Yeah. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. And GG, guys. GG. We all feeling good?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just need to stretch out a little bit here.
1: I'm oh. Up. oh, I'm so
0: naked right now. Yeah, now let's go into news thinking
1: about that. All right, there you go. I'm going to try not to. <laughs> I, I'm not. I am, in <laughs> fact, fully
0: clothed, <laughs> just so you know. It.
1: yeah good good holding that cough back
2: pro move
1: I move away from the mic so I can breathe (laughs) heavy rain (laughs) (laughs) okay